So this morning, um, I'm kind of taking a break from my series of being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did. I felt in my heart uh, last week, last week I had uh, the opportunity to lead worship um, at a youth camp of 270 kids, and it was an amazing time just seeing God transform hearts. Like, God is alive, amen, and He is our Redeemer, He is our provider. He is actively working inside of us, and I love that he's doing this. And I, and I felt this word, a miracle can happen now. And so uh, if you've got your Bibles with you, um, I'd love for you to turn to 2 Chronicles 20. And actually, I want to read the story of Jehoshaphat. Now, many of you know it, but I just want to refresh, or maybe you've never come across this story before. Just some context um, for 2 Chronicles. Um, or Chronicles in general, it is the last book in the Jewish tradition. So a lot of times we have the kind of the prophetic voices ending, but this book is the last book and actually ends in a really funny way. It ends with Cyrus the king saying, hey, go up from this place, and it ends right there. Well, this book was written already a couple of hundred years after this situation. The children of Israel had already come out of uh, Babylon, and they had been building the walls. Um, Nehemiah and Ezra had built the walls. But this book was written after all that happened. And so the writer has this dissatisfaction with where Israel are currently at. So he actually rewrites First and Second Kings, and he makes David look like the righteous king that he should have been. And actually, a lot of the stories, there are some added and, and some taken away. And so we've really got to pay attention to the book of Chronicles because everything is put in there with intention. And the intention is, is that we show what a righteous king is, to show what the kingdom should have been, to show what David should have been. Because they were crying out, because everything had come to fruition. They had come to this moment where they had come out of Babylon, where they had come um, to receive the wall was up, but the presence of God, all the promises that were given in Isaiah had not come to fruition. And so the dissatisfaction of the writer, we're not sure who the writer is, is kind of portraying, hey, this is what a kingdom should look like. And so we should pay attention to every single story that is put into Chronicles, like the story of Jehoshaphat, because that was not recorded in First and Second Kings. So if we jump in at verse 1. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with some of the Meunites, came against Jehoshaphat for battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom. From beyond the sea and beyond, they are all Hazan and Tamar, that is the uh, Engedi. When the Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. Now, just in the previous chapter, just to let you know, they had done a census of how many men they had. And they had about over a million kind of signed up military people. And so this vast army, it never mentions a number, but it obviously way outweighs what they have. And it's coming from the side of the east, that they're not so well protected, some scholars believe. So Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set his face to seek the Lord, and proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in assembly of Judah and Jerusalem, in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, 
Oh Lord, this is a very honest conversation. I love the honesty of Jehoshaphat in this. Oh Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? You rule over the kingdoms of the nations. In your hand are powerful and might, so that none is able to withstand you. Did you not, our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? And they said, they have lived in it and have built in your, for you in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, the sword, judgment, or persistence of famine, we will stand before this house and before you. For your name is in this house and cry out to you in our affliction. And you will hear and save. And now behold... The men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom you would not let Israel invade, when they came from the land of Egypt, and whom they avoided and did not destroy. So what Jehoshaphat's um, doing, he's just proclaiming, hey, these are the promises, but also, hey God, we wanted to go attack these people. You said no, and now they're on our front doorsteps about to invade us. Behold, they reward us by coming to drive us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. O God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde. That is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, all of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, their children, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehazel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, King Jehoshaphat, Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid, do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them, behold they will come up from the ascent of Ziz, you will find them at the end of the valley, east of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. Stand firm, hold your position, and you will see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. And all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshipping the Lord. And the Levites stood up to praise the Lord and the God of Israel with a very loud voice. And they rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear, Judah, inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe the Lord your God and you will be established. Believe his prophets and you will succeed. And when he has taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing the Lord and praise him in holy attire. As they went before the army, say, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast fast love endures forever. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who, came, who come against Judah, so that they were routed. 
For the men of Ammon and Moab rose against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, so conflict, they went crazy and ended up attacking one another, devoting them to destruction. And when they had made the end of the inhabitants of Seir, they all helped to destroy one another. (laughs) When Judah came to the watchtower of the wilderness, they looked toward the horde, and behold, there was dead bodies lying on the ground. None had escaped. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take their spoil, they found among them in great numbers goods, clothings, and precious things which they had took for themselves until they could carry no more. They were three days in taking the spoil. It was so much. Lord, we just thank you for this word today. Lord, we thank you for what you are doing in and through this place. Holy Spirit, would you help guide my words? Lord, would you imprint on our hearts the message that you want us to hear this morning. Lord, I just pray for open minds, open ears, open hearts to hear your word this morning, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. It's not your battle and you had nothing to do with it. How many of you and many of us have been born into situations where it was never your fault? Maybe you were born into poverty. Maybe you were born into a sickness. And it was never your battle. How many of you have had that situation where finances have fallen apart? Health has come together. Situations that were out of your control invaded your world. Like Jehoshaphat, he had this moment where he didn't deserve this. In fact, he even stated that Moses, when they had started taking the lands, they actually were told by God to not take this land. And lo and behold, these same people came raging against them. In fact, Jehoshaphat was a good king for the most part. In fact, the previous chapter, he had aligned. He actually sent out people to teach the Torah to all the cities. And God had put his favor upon him. In fact, so much favor that kings were giving him uh, properties and lots of um, jewels, things that were very wealthy. And he was growing in wealth and in, in status. So everything was going well for Jehoshaphat. But how many know it doesn't matter how well you set things in order, conflict, things are going to come against you in your world. There are things that are going to be out of your control. But we know that a miracle can happen now. Maybe um, it's, there's a destruction within your life right now. Because even as I was, I was preparing this message, I was just aware of the sickness that's been going on in the church, just aware of the financial situations, crazy circumstances within families that I've learned today as well, that there are situations that are just coming to our worlds, and how are we going to respond to this? And as I said, the Chronicles have written with a purpose. How many of you, when we read that story, it felt like a salvation story? There was nothing that you could do to deserve the grace of God upon your life as a salvation. There was death upon your life. You had no hope. It was a vast army that was going to completely waste you away without Jesus in your life. But lo and behold, there was a God who came through, who broke through and changed everything for you. He did it all for you. And we can say amen to that. But often we leave it at that moment when we preach. We say this grace message, this wonderful working grace, and I'm so thankful for his grace and his mercy. 
But actually there's a flip side to this because there's grace and obedience in this new covenant. That it's not just grace that we are given, but there's a, a co-laboring with inside of us. For us to see a miracle happen, it requires for us to be obedient. And this story is about obedience. Though Jesus, though God did it all for them, there was the requirement of our part. In fact, Jesus even says this in John 14, 23, 24. It says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. He who does not love me will not obey my teaching. And I want to have a quick look at the, some five points from this story. And then we're going to go back into a short time of worship because I believe that we should contend for this moment. We feel like there's a spiritual oppression. And even I love what uh, Kim actually prayed in prayer today that in the natural we've seen this storm come through and actually all this, this front, this cool front come through and transform the atmosphere. It was pretty hot, right, the last couple of weeks. I like warm weather and it was like Florida. And I was like, I, I, it now makes me think, maybe do I really want to go live in Florida after the week that we had? You know, those 90s humidity just sweating away. But this cool front we have today is so refreshing. But there's a storm that requires a change in atmosphere. And so the storms that maybe you're experiencing in your life is an atmosphere that is coming to change you. And I love that Kim brought that prayer because I believe that this is what this is. We're going through a storm, but God is calling us to obedience in this storm, to be obedient to him, to lock him with him. And this story is we're just quickly going to unfold. One of the things that Jehoshaphat did when a vast army came was he set his face to the Lord. How quick are we to set our face to God? How quickly is it a couple of situations coming or is it when everything's just lumbered on us, then we turn to God? How quick are we to turn our face to him? In the midst of fear, what is your focus on? What is your focus on today? Jehoshaphat, when everything was against him, he turned his face. But actually, later on in the story, he actually made allies with Israel. And God punished him for his allying himself with Israel. It's interesting that he did that. Someone who knew that he was meant in the midst of fear that he could set his face to God. But I believe that there's a story within this that when we, we need to continually, day to day, set your face, your whole posture towards the situation every single day. And Jehoshaphat actually later on in his life let that go and actually set his face towards the comfortability of, hey, if I have my allies, if I have my friends, then I won't need to rely on other people. It's dangerous when we start to rely on other things and not set our face upon the one who saves. Amen. And I know that we all know it. I know in you and I know that you know that truth. But I want to ask a question today. Is your face set towards him? Are you postured like Jesus was towards the cross? When he was coming into Jerusalem, it says that he set his face like stone. He was so... Um, Feverant in his direction of the purpose that he was about to go towards. Do you have your vision? Do you have your mission? Do you have it set before you? Do you have your face in that direction? No matter what's going to come in your way, it's not going to knock you off path, but you are going to be in mission, in purpose towards that. Do you have your face set? Are you obedient in setting your face to him this morning?
A second point, community. I love this fact that it talks about as well that the children of Israel, little ones, wives, and their children, everyone was accompanied by this. And they joined in this fast together. There aren't many in the Bible that actually was recorded that we see that the women and children were involved in a fast. There was a whole coming together when the battle, when the conflict, when the things came about. How many of you know that we need one another in the conflict? And actually, it's in the mess that we find true trust, true relationship. I know that we used this phrase a couple of months back. It's not without mess that we find trust, but it's in the cleaning up of mess that we find the trust in our lives. Amen? It's not that, hey, I I feel a safe environment um, because there's no mess going on. And sometimes actually we're guilty as a church because we try and put on the mask that we don't have things going on in our lives. And actually it's in the mess, in the situations that we are vulnerable, that we bring ourselves to the front, that we can together come into community and transform and see God transform each and every one of us. It's through the participation. We believe that we are a multi-generational church. I love that we get to see the young and the old so into this church. We've got people like Anna. She's only like 24 now. And she is heading up a children's ministry. How cool is that? I've got Elijah who's going to be coming down in a couple of weeks. And I said, hey bud, how do you want to help me in church in the service? I know that Pastor Cindy always used to bring about this, uh, this, this teaching that the children, they're not too young to be involved, to be involved in healings and transformation. And we want to continue that, that these children are not too young to be involved. And also, you're not too old to be involved, I want to tell you right now. If this generation is coming up, don't sit back and just let them do it. Because we need you to come alongside. That's what I love about this moment. Even um, we saw... um, when they were talking about uh, Hazar, who came with the prophetic word, they declared all his generations before him. If we are to walk together, even as Sherilyn shared, that I love that you want to bring the, the kids alongside, that they will see that, that Elijah passage. Because it's through together of co-laboring that if we see the victory, if we share the victory together, amen? We share the victory together, we mourn together. If someone has a victory, God can do it in your life as well. And that's what we believe in a community, that we are a multi-generational church. I know within our own lives that we saw the power of community. When Alicia, who had infantile spasm, who does not have it anymore, we first day we found out what it was, we put it on Facebook and we said, guys, we need you to pray into this situation. She never had a single seizure from that moment there on. I believe that when the community comes together to pray, that there's so much in Scripture that we could go into that God promises us victory because when we come together in unification, there is power in the name. These gatherings together are not just little powwows, but there is power no matter what you think you are. When you come together in unity, in community, there is transformation for things to happen. This is a powerhouse. This is a boiling room for things to explode out into your own personal lives and into community. When we believe that a miracle can happen, when we are obedient in coming together, in honoring one another, their transformation can come. And that's my third point today. 
Actually, one quick verse before I go to that. James 5, 14, 16 says, If is anyone among you sick, let him call for the elders of the church, let them pray over him, anointing for all the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. And that's just echoing what I've exactly just said that when we come together it's not just God's healing it's actually God moves through people to heal one another I can't tell you of how many testimonies I've heard of where people have just laid hands on situations and transformation has come through just anybody God is no respecter of man as Rick always says and we believe that you are a transforming agent We need you in this place. We need you to come with your unique gifting into this community. Number three, remind yourself of God and his testimonies. We saw in that passage, Jehoshaphat was telling God, hey, you promised us this, this, this. You gave us this, this, this. And you said, if we come to you, you will heal, you will save. Notice the Moses language used there. Moses was really good at changing God's mind. He'd always come to God and say, hey, but you said this, this, this. Uh, you know, uh, your friend Abraham. Hey, you remember your friend Abraham? How many of you want to be called a friend of God? You remember your friend Abraham? Remember what you promised to him? Remember what you said that you would do through him? God, we need. So be obedient in reminding yourself of who God is and his testimony. So set your face before him. Make sure your attitude, your whole posture is set towards him. Make sure you're glued into a community. Don't just rock up and be an observer. Get involved in the community because we need you. And remind yourself of who God is on a daily, momentary basis. When things come about, this is why we believe prophecy is so important. Because they are identity bringers and they are truth bringers as well. That God can move through a person and speak life over someone else. We need to be encouraged. We need to be encouragers of the word into people's lives. So that we can remind ourselves of who God is. I have all my testimonies and all my um, prophecies, sorry, recorded. And so I go through and listen to them. I remind myself of what God has spoken over my life. There are many things I've not seen come to completion. Do I lose hope? No, never. Not until my very last breath. But I remind myself of who God has called me to be. I remind myself of who he is in my life. Number four, Believe and honor. I love the one line where it says that um, when uh, Jehoshaphat came back to the people the next morning, believe in God and believe in the prophets. The person that brought Jehazel, who brought the word, was not a prophet, but he was uh, of the Levite generation. He was a high priest. So what does Paul say we are? That we are, is it Peter or Paul? That we are royalty. We are the royal priesthood now. So that we are gifted to prophesy, to encourage. It wasn't through a prophet that it came, but it was through a high priest. Again, notice that. The shift of normally the prophets would be the ones that prophesy. But a high priest prophesied. 
We are high priests. We are encouragers. The whole New Testament talks about how we can edify the body. And it says in Matthew 10, 41, the one who welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. Are you receiving people in your world? Are you honoring people in your world, the people that speak? Do you put value on the people that you walk with? I find, I don't know if you resonate with this, but the people who sometimes most offend me sometimes or the most unlikely bring the most powerful words into my life. So don't dismiss words of life into your world. Don't dismiss the things that God's trying to pour through you. Make sure that we want to see a culture of honor in this place. We believe in your gifting. And we're going to spend a moment, we're going to be going into a time of worship in a moment. Because I believe as the story tells, as the people worshipped, there was transformation that came. But I want to tell you, we believe and honor in this place. If you welcome a person's gift and you honor them, you will receive the reward that is to it. So make sure that we're honoring people in this, that we are co-laboring together, that each and every one of us has a unique gifting that needs to be brought forth so that we can move forward as a body. And I just want to invite the worship team up in this moment. My final point today as we wrap up, praise. The story, the great crescendo that God said, hey, you don't have to fight this battle. But what was the one thing that Jehoshaphat did? They praised and they worshipped God. There's this kind of obscure passage in Isaiah 30, 31 and 32. And it says, The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. With his rod he will strike them down. Every stroke the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be the music of the tambourine's harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. Do you get that this morning? That every single punishing club comes through the music of the tambourines, the harps. Our worship is the beats that brings the beating to the enemy. So as we begin to declare who he is, as we begin, he's just smashing down, fighting on our behalf. But all we're doing is just praising God. All we're doing is giving everything that we have. We're saying no to the situation. We're saying we don't believe the lie that the enemy is trying to bring. We are setting our face in community. We are believing and honoring and reminding ourselves of who he is. And we are giving everything to him. He is worth and he is good and he will bring about transformation and we're just letting up a voice and in that God is saying okay you're singing I'm going to bring my beats into your situation I'm going to begin to pound down into your situation I'm going to begin to see the enemy depleted in your situation because that's the God who we serve amen I know you're English at heart, so I know that you're resounding inside, that you're jumping up and down, that you're going, yeah, come on, bring it. I'm there. You're shouting me down. You're saying, good word, Johnny. I know that's going on inside. So amen and receive that. Psalm 84 says this, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord, my heart and my flesh Sing for joy to the living God. You know, when we're in his presence, when you've tasted of something that's real, that's authentic, 
you hunger for it even more. His presence has the power, as in Psalm 84 says, that my soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. I want to ask you this morning, does your soul long for his presence? With every eye closed in this place. Does your soul long for him this morning? Do you have your face set before him? Or has it become a routine that we just rock up every single Sunday? That Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday roll around. And when we can make time for God, we put him into our little moments that we have. Does your soul long for him? Does it faint? Like the psalmist says, as the deer pants. Have you let your situation become your circumstance? Does your soul long for something more? Does it long to see a miracle that can happen now? Or has it given up? Does it believe that there is something more? We're going to just worship right now. And it's a song called Defender. And it pretty much betrays everything that I've just spoken on. Believe that a miracle can happen for you and that God is fighting on your behalf. But he requires your obedience for the miracle to happen now. So however you wish, if you want to stand this morning, if you want to sit where you are. But my heart's cry for you this morning is a heart posture. I want you and your very soul to long for the transformation. Whether you're, like Liz said this morning, you're just burnt out. You feel like you've got nothing left to give. Whatever small thing you have, I want you to bring that as an offering this morning. And with everything that you have inside of you, set your face before him. Remind him of who he says you are. I think he likes that sometimes. I love when Elijah tell, comes up to me and this Elijah, and I hope he always has it, has no um, issue with himself. He comes up and tells me how awesome he is. He says, Dad, I'm awesome. I'm really smart, aren't I? I said, yeah, buddy, you're awesome. The guy has no problem in his identity of who he is. And as I say, the world will try and transform that and try and take that down. But do you know who you are? Can you even tell God who you are? that you're a son of God, that you are his child and that all his promises are yes and amen. Can you say that this morning? Let's sing this song together. But my heart's cry, as I said, let it come from your heart this morning.